Good day, good day, and welcome to Your Voice, Your Power. I am Anika Wilson, and I have with me a power panel today. I have six amazing entrepreneurs from around the world. We're talking from Canada, Houston, Tennessee, California, and we are all here to talk about the importance of building an optimal support system. As you guys know, I am a true advocate of building a village. It takes a village, not just from raising a child, but even as adults, we need villages too. You heard me, plural, villages, to foster growth. So I am going to go to our first uh, speaker, and I'm going to tell Candace first to introduce herself. And after she introduces herself, she's going to tell us what it means to get, obtain, and utilize support. Hey, Candace. Hi, greetings. Uh, my name is Candace Joseph. I am uh, Helen here from Houston, Texas. I'm uh, glad to be on a panel today to meet such awesome individuals. Um, what I want to tell you a little bit about me, I'm the Chief Executive Officer of the Joseph Consulting Firm. Um, I help entrepreneurs from start to finish. And if you're already established, I help you with your growth. I also uh, do no, um, pro bono services for nonprofits and charities that need help in regards to marketing strategies, visibility, et cetera, et cetera. So when you asked about, uh, we talked about support, right? Um, support is defined as a part of something or having someone believe in something. It's a, a part of who you are and really that person to hold you up, right? So in life, friendship, business, we have to think about what type of support we want. So we have to define it. So for some people, if you're a new entrepreneur out there, I've seen this before where people feel like, okay, um, well, I launched a product, this person needs to buy it. Sometimes that might not be the support that that friend or that in entity want to give to you, right? Support can come in various ways. First of all, in order to get support, you have to give it. So if you are a new entrepreneur and you know you have not supported an entrepreneur, you have not supported a charity, you have not supported a nonprofit, and maybe you didn't support your friend when their five-year-old did a ballet performance. Maybe you weren't there for that. So we have to remember in order to get support, we have to give it and we have to earn it. Support is earned. Um, just because you're a business owner, just because you come up with a great idea, doesn't mean someone's gonna support you. You go out there and you earn it. You make sure that people know that you exist. So in order for you to get that from someone else, you have to get yourself out there. You have to start showing support. Even as a new entrepreneur, yeah, you're struggling, don't have a lot of money to market, you don't have a lot of money maybe to spend, but go to those small networking events and buy someone's product. Tell them how great their business card looks and share their information. Sometimes that's a way we can earn support from our friends, family. It may not always be monetarily, it may be a word of advice, someone writing you a recommendation, someone passing along your business card. Sometimes that's support or if you know you like opera and your best friend say, I don't know if I like opera, but I got a church member that like opera, 
I'm gonna connect you guys and support. So I love opera. I buy season tickets to the opera. I love to have people go with me. So if you guys are ever in Houston, I will always have season tickets to the opera. So come on down. But in order to get it, support, we have to give it. But we also have to know that we have to have good intentions with everything that we do in order to get everything that we want. So that's support to me. Awesome. You know, you just talked about su support 5.0 because you just went in depth. You know, when we think about support, most people, the first thing that comes to mind is money. You know, you're, you, that's the most unmet need is, you know, I need this to get to this. But ultimately, you said you have to give support to get support. Support is earned. Sharing information is a form of support. Correct. Recommendations, referrals, they don't cost you anything but a moment of your time. That's the most valuable form of support is time that people need. Just, just time. That could be time to listen, time to talk, time to regroup, time to meditate, time to reflect, time to grow. Time. Time is the most valuable support mechanism that everybody can give. So thank you for your definition of support. And we're going to go back around to it because you also talked about support in life, support in friendship, and support in business. And all of us are entrepreneurs, and we know just what that means. But I want to go to Janice because Janice was talking to me about what is community. And so I want her to introduce herself and talk about the importance of community. Welcome, Janice. Thank you. I'm Janice Eisman, and I'm the founder of My Body Couture. I help people feel in their body and I've been doing this work for about 15 mainly work with people who come to me in some sort of body pain that's not caused by an injury I noticed that a lot of my clients had gone to the chiropractor and the massage therapist and the acupuncturist and while those are wonderful techniques they didn't solve the underlying problem for that person I have a one-to-one -one practice where I work just with people individually and I noticed in that environment because it's literally a closed space, there's an outside door, that people would start sharing these stories with me about the spouse that they actually didn't want to be married to anymore, about the spouse who cheated on them, about the business that they no longer wanted to own, about the job that was really stressful and they felt trapped in, etc. So I heard years and years and years worth of stories that came along with this body pain and as we did the body work and I did the underlying education of how to move better and how to um, enhance nutrition and these kind of tactical practical ideas for sustaining our body and our health that link between what's happening in our life and our emotions and our bodies is glaring to me and we aren't talking enough about community. We are currently living in a culture that is talking about self-care a lot. We can be on Instagram for about two and a half minutes. And we're going to get hit with a self-care meme. <laughs> Something that's advising us to have a glass of wine and have a bath and all our troubles will go away. And in my professional life, I'm not seeing that. And there was a moment in my own life when I teach yoga. I'm a certified yoga teacher and I get flowers every week and I'm doing all of these 
exercises and disciplines that are considered self-care. And I snapped. I absolutely snapped. And I had nobody to turn to. I went onto Facebook and I talked about this scenario. And I was met with a wall of you've got to have self-care. And I realized at that moment, that is not what is missing. What is missing is community care. So I wrote an article that was published in Elephant Journal. I do encourage you to check it out. But what I really mean by community is the network that's beyond our friends and family. Quite often, that's what people are kind of referring to. Take this problem to your friend, to your therapist, or your family. This is not, Facebook is not the place for this. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but community is a network of people, many of whom we actually have no additional transactional relationship with. It could be a clerk at a store. It could be a mentor through an official group such as Big Brothers Big Sisters or another mentorship program. It could be part of the church or the community center. And we might have no way to contact that person outside of this particular environment where we see them. That is our community. And just relying on and giving to that group of people is so absolutely critical and to me is not addressed enough. We aren't given tools for how to develop that, particularly in a landscape where churches and community centers are no longer kind of the cornerstones of our physical living scenarios. That's absolutely true because, you know, back historically, you know, the church is where you go for help. You know, we've got right. issues nowadays that people are facing that aren't, I'm not going to say normal issues, but are conventional, you know, they're progressive. Correct. And so people don't go there anymore. And I actually saw a post today where my friend whose daughter has a similar disorder, she has myelitis, was just saying how the church has turned her back on her for two years. She's been going through this and they haven't been there. And I told her, I said, that's, that's the truth is that, you know, we have to conform with the times and understand that yes. what used to be community is not, you have to build your own community based on you your morals, your values, your goals, your destination, where you're trying to go, not where you've been. And see too many times we're building our community based on where we've been. And that's why right. we're not getting anywhere because we're holding on for dear life to what's behind us. And we're like, but things aren't changing. Well, that's right. Exactly. Exactly. And I think that that is often what people have in their mind when they hear community. It's mm -hmm. literally the physical building in our neighborhood. That's a community center that let's yep. be honest, nobody under the age of 87 <laughs> has ever been to yep. and churches. So we kind of put our brain back into this 1950s version of what community is. And many of us are lost because when you hit that moment, when you're standing as I was in my apartment, literally having a meltdown, I'd burned my friends and family out. So it was my responsibility to start to create that community, but I had no idea where to even look for that because those structures that we think of as being very foundational are no longer the foundations of our society. Exactly. And you said earlier, you said something about network. And I think that's the, the takeaway that I want everyone to get today is that community is not necessarily that fundamental building that's on the corner of your neighborhood. It's actually a network of individuals that can help you, my phrase, heal, deal, and grow. 
because no matter what you're going through, it's a matter of finding that optimal network so that you can get what you need. And you can also give because when you give and you feel accomplished, then you can also, you know, feel like it's reciprocated. So I want to go to Farah and I want to ask you what, well, first I'm gonna have you introduce yourself, but I want you to go into the importance of building an optimal network after your, your introduction. Sure. Hi, nice to meet you all and all of you out there who are on the territories that you originally came from. We honor those and I hope that you uh, are grateful for all of the caretaking that they did before you got there. So my name is Farah Fancy. I'm a shift disturber, a cultural stripper, an artist doula, a fire starter, a warrior, a mom. I have a bunch of titles that are irrelevant. And uh, what I do is I help people become fearless flossom leaders. And you asked me the question of how to build a network. Is that what I understood correctly? So the thing is, is that with a network, I think we have to think about the ethics of a network and why we need that support. Is that support within our expectations or is it because we need something in the particular or is it because we're using the network for our personal gain, which could potentially be maintaining our privilege that we have. And that privilege that we have, should that be maintained or should we be dismantling that privilege so that we can be more equitable and be more just? So I would contest that when we are looking for a network, we think about a diversity of perspectives uh, to be inclusive. We think about how we're giving access into our network. Are we just blocking ourselves off to be receiving uh, support from only a particular source of people? Or can we open ourselves up so that we can be free to create a community that's more of a global community with a global perspective rather than a closed off one where we stay where we are without decolonizing? I'm just going to open up the floor. Does anybody have any comments to what she just said? I just, I just took so many notes. I, I don't even, I mean, what you just said was profound. You, you talked about the ethics of the network, why we need support, using the network for personal gain, which Lord knows we see this all over Facebook. Um, be more equitable, diversity of perspectives, inclusionary, and be free to create a global network. I'm going to open up the floor and say, does anybody have a comment to that? Yeah, I would, I think that, I'm sorry, Andrea. I think that one of the most powerful networks is, Actually, I'm going to hearken back to a time in history when there was sewing circles and knitting circles and much as there was uniformity of a type within those networks, we also had dramatic age disparity. So the young women would learn from the next generation who would learn from the next generation. So for example, a young woman who'd recently had a baby might be sitting in that circle talking about her challenges with the baby. And the older generations who have that perspective could actually turn to her and say, it's okay, dear, this is normal and hold that support and that space. And I think that quite often now, especially with Facebook, we can build a network of people who are just like us. And usually our friend network is just like us. So to actually really get that support, we need to actually think back to those, that proverbial knitting circle where we have people of multi-generations and multi-perspectives that can actually create that community and network for us. Absolutely. And I'm going to go back to that. 
Andrea, you had a comment? I would say that uh, I think when it comes to building a network, you do have to be very intentional about who you want in your life. Very much so we um, rely on, hey, people are just going to happen to be there. Like how many times have you, you know, been with a friend or somebody in your past and you, you're not even really sure why they're there, you know? So I think people need to get away from this concept of people are going to be in your life and they may not have the right intentions for you. And the only way to set up a proper network that is going to allow you to grow and to really you know go beyond what you know is being intentional and maybe looking to people that are on your same level on, on as, as entrepreneurs that you can you know work with to get different ideas maybe somebody that is you know not at the same level as you and um, you can gain perspective and then people that are above you and have the ability to teach you different ways you know i think as a society that sense of community is something that we are reliant on because we're trying to get something from it but just like um Candace was saying is you have to very much so give and put yourself out there, but you have to know what you're seeking, you know, because if not, you're going to get a bunch of stuff in return and people are going to have different intentions for you, not really even guide you in the right, um, the right path, or they're going to totally deter you from something that you, um, that you really want to seek out. So that is the biggest thing that I've learned in my journeys, um, you know, being a millennial in particular, because there's so much noise and you have to be able to navigate through it and walk with purpose, walk with intention and understand that you have to seek these things out if your com community is going to work for you. Andrea, you killed it, but I'm going to ask you, please introduce yourself to the listeners and viewers and tell them who you are. And then I'm going to say something to what you just said. Yes. So I am the uh, founder of Mayific. We are a vegan hair care brand that focuses on optimizing your hair health through, you know, healthy hair care products and really under, um, really giving women the ability to gain their confidence and understand how to utilize, you know, them, the right foundation to achieve the hair goals that they are seeking. I am also a, uh, I work for, I uh, do office and business management for a startup company in um, California um, as well. So thank you for having me. And you're a military spouse. And what I'm going to say is that, you know, when we build these villages, we often like to, we find people that have parallel, you know, um, distinctions, I'll say. Um, and one thing that I've learned is that, you know, when I meet other military spouses, I'm like, oh, they're going to be like me. Yeah, no. And so um, <laughs> when you said you have to be intentional and when, you know, you put something out there, be careful of what you get. I think that's where I'm at. I'm at a place in my life now where I'm starting to leave groups, minimize my Facebook pages because it's overwhelming and it's no longer aligned with my goals. And so when we're seeking a network or support or, you know, groups, we need to be very, very specific. As I started my business, I was like, oh, I can help everybody, you know? And I was like, I don't want to just do women entrepreneurs because my goal initially was single moms, chronic illness sufferers. Like I want to help everybody and advocate for everybody. But my world as an entrepreneur is so small now because the entrepreneurial mindset itself it it literally you know it's a different mindset than than an employee so i can no longer have the same conversations with people that i used to know i still love them but i can't talk to them you know especially when i'm trying to do work because like you said 
when you are exposed to information, whether you want it or not, it, it enters the brain and it penetrates. And it can deter you and distract you from where you're going. And so I say all of that to say I agree with you that you have to be extremely specific about what you're seeking and where you seek it. You also said something that is biblical, but I have no idea the scripture, so I never say it. But they always say you need to find, um, I believe it was Moses or something, but you need to find somebody behind you, parallel to you, and somebody ahead of you. And that's how you're supposed to always keep mentors and followers around you. So thank you because you hit on all of that and I was holding it all in. So, um, and welcome. All right, so I want to go to Justine because Justine needs to introduce herself and I want her to talk about isolation because as we all know, you know, especially being military spouses, entrepreneurs or whatever we are, we're coming to you guys from around the world, but isolation is real. It is very real. And even when you know that there's online access, you're still a little bit scared to reach out to a network because like you guys know, you could post something in a group and you're bombarded with a bunch of messages and they're not always nice. So I want Justine to first introduce herself and then talk to us about isolation. Hi, my name's Justine Canaris and I'm a military wife of 15 years. Um, I am a, almost a yoga instructor and I'm extremely spiritual and loving and I just love 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 having a conversation with people so this is like my favorite thing in the world um just a, a little disclaimer my dogs are going crazy outside and my kids are about ready to come home from school so that's the door that they're coming in it's gonna get wild but <laughs> real life real life happening right here um, <laughs> So isolation, um, that is such a topic that I was not expecting to talk about, but it is so real. Um, you know, I, I, I come from a very small town, um, but I graduated with over 600 kids in high school. So it doesn't, just like everybody in that town went to that school in the end. And um, I, um, I had that church at the end of the corner and those were the people I would hang out with and those are all the things I would do. But then 18 years old, I meet my now husband and we got married at when I was 21 and he, we went to Fort Knox, Kentucky, and then we went to Alaska and that was really far away <laughs> and um, from Michigan. Um, but it really opened my eyes to, uh, I need to branch out and but I don't want to stay backwards because that's what you guys are talking about. I don't want to stay in that space, but I will bring us up to speed to where we are here. I, I call this my Clarksville part two because my Clarksville part one, I was on Fort, Fort Campbell um, Army Post and it was extremely isolating, even though I was a sharing like a building with another spouse and her whole family. It was isolating in the sense that I felt guilty if I wasn't out there with everybody else, but I felt alone and sad and self-pity if I was stuck inside my house. And I had nowhere else to go because those were my community. Those people were my community. But when you get so many people who are doing only the same thing, just 
taking, going for a jog or coming back in, doing the stuff with the kids, going to the FRG meetings, going over here, and you're only doing that, then you feel like you're just really confined and stuck. So I had a therapist tell my son, uh, he was struggling in school, and she told me I needed to find like-minded people. And that was confusing to me because I felt like like-minded people meant small-minded people. And I don't want small-minded people, so I got really scared and I just took everybody home. I brought everybody home and we did homeschooling before it was a thing as far as COVID's concerned and um, found my niche and found our thing. But that was extremely isolating as well because now I'm in my house doing all my things until the co-op came up on Friday and I was able to talk to other people. Um, I got really, really sick because I was, I didn't, ha no longer had a, I was afraid to reach out to friends and family. I was afraid to reach out to anybody else because everyone told me not to do this and I did it anyways type of thing. And so, um, so pride was coming up and uh, yeah, my body told me that this was wrong and I shouldn't be doing this. So I jumped ship and just decided to move to uh, Michigan because I thought that being closer to family, that maybe that would make it better. Um, that was better for a time. And it was good because I visited um, old shadows, old um, spirits that I was, had run away from and didn't realize I ran away from, from my youth. Um, and opened a lot of doors and it really brought me back to myself, which then led me to my part two Clarksville where I now don't just start off, which I did now as I'm a military spouse, because that's my lifestyle, but um, I'm so much more than that. And I decided to like come to Clarksville. We lived off post. We, we were of the community of the entire city. And it, and it was, it just opened up my mind that um, some, uh, like-minded people don't need to look like me. They don't need to talk like me. They don't need to, to do the same things that I'm doing physically. Like, like-minded people have this drive and this, like you say, entrepreneurs, just this thing of wanting to volunteer and get involved. And I mean, the political stuff is happening. And instead of sitting at my house and reading it online, I put my mask on and I went to the polls and I talked to every one of the candidates. So I could put a face to the name that I get to choose. And I felt so empowered to be able to be like, yeah, I'm a part of the city. I'm not just part of the military. I get to be more than that. And, um, and so here I am. You know, I asked you to talk about isolation because when, when we did our off-camera introductions, I, I could feel you know, the sense of isolation. And I went through the same thing because when I chose to marry my husband, I mean, I was 38 years old. I had created my village. I had, you know, I was a leader in the church. I had, you know, my friends, my family. But what I didn't realize then was that I was codependent and I was stagnant and I was stuck. And I had all these dreams that nobody knew that I had because I had nobody to talk to them with. 
you know, talk about them with. And so I, I asked you to talk about isolation because it is the, the opposite of what we're talking about. But the reality of it is, is that a lot of times when you're in isolation and you are down and out and you are stuck, the answer is to reach out and to build that network and get support. And it starts with that. And so I listened to you talk and I could feel it. I could feel the resistance, but you also talked about going and talking to somebody and asking questions and moving, like you took action steps to get out of it. And the only thing that was missing is you actually finding the person to help you. And I always go down these steps because people don't understand what coaches are and what we do and why we're important. But I wanna hold off on that part because I wanna let Sammy introduce her Herself. But I want her in her introduction to really kind of piggyback on what you said, because in isolation is depression, is anxiety, is fear, is loss, is what's the opposite of identity, y'all? We're always talking about identity, but you, you literally are lost in, in who you are, what you're meant to do. And I can also relate to you as well, Justine, because I homeschool and I have, you know, I'm managing case managers and therapists and, and ABA therapy and occupational therapy and PT, and it's all in my house. But Hawaii has also been on lockdown mm. for months. And I literally have to drive down the street to the beach just to get air because the walls start closing in. But I want us to, to give ourselves permission to do whatever we need to feel free. But I want to go to Sammy first, and then we can open up the discussion. Sammy, can you introduce yourself to everybody and tell them who you are, which I'm so excited, and what you do? Yeah, for sure. So I, my name is Sammy. I am a second-year undergraduate student at San Diego State University. I am a college mental health content creator, podcast host, and I am the founder of Sammy Beatrice Marketing Agency. All right, so since you work in mental health, you understand everything that I just said, but you also talked to and told me about the fact that you work with youngins. And y'all know I'm older when I say that word because I don't think anybody's said that in the last 20 years, but I say that because I have a 15-year-old daughter and I'm always telling her like, hey, I know you don't want to talk to the therapist, but if I hire a coach, will you talk to a coach? Because I saw a post on Facebook that it, 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 it haunts me. 13-year-old boy killed himself because he broke his TV screen because he threw his remote at it because he had pent-up aggression because he wasn't doing PE, he wasn't going out, he wasn't doing all these things. Tell us, from your perspective, how important is it for us to build a village and how early or soon should we do so? I personally think that it is the leading thing that people need to do in order to sort of better their mental health or even just keep themselves stable. I know for me personally, my thing is that the only reason that I am sitting, you know, on this call today, the only reason that I'm doing what I'm doing today is because of the village that I created three years ago. I never had sort of like a friend group. I never had, you know, people around me who sort of got me and understood me. And I always felt like I was just the only one in this space. I was always just the only old soul in this space. I was always the most ambitious and I never found anyone like me at all. Um, and then 
something magical happened and I found those people and you know half of them were my teachers and half of them were peers of mine and, and they all eventually became good friends of mine but you know just over time like once I once I saw that I had people in my corner and that I was you know giving to them and they would reciprocate the same thing back to me that's when I knew I had something special because also all my life, I had just been giving and giving and giving and giving because I have the biggest heart in the world. I am an empath too, which means that I feel everybody's feelings, no matter where I am, no matter who, if I know them personally or not, it's in me. It's, you know, I'm just feeling it all. And so I had always been giving, always was a therapist of the group, the mom of the group, whatever it was. And when I finally found my people who gave back to me, it felt so, so, so just like invigorating. And it felt like I was alive again. And since then, that is the biggest thing that I emphasize to others. It is the biggest thing that I really say, you know, like, Yes, okay, you may be overwhelmed, you may be struggling, but who do you have to go to? Who do you have that you feel comfortable enough with that you can say, hi, I'm really struggling right now, can you please help me? I remember it was my freshman year of high school and I really didn't know what was going on with me. I knew that like my moods were weird and my feelings were weird. And I remember I went to one of my teachers and I said, I feel like I'm drowning in my head and I can't pull myself above water. And I was like, I do not know what's wrong with me. Can you help me? And she looks at me and she goes, are you okay? And I go, I don't think so. And from there I've done copious amounts of research in the mental illness field, in the mental health field, just all of it. And I think that, you know, I really believe that if you, and don't get me wrong, I spent 18 years trying to find my tribe, quote unquote, and then I moved across the country and they all stayed in New York. So I've sort of had my own, you know, ways of, you know, just like finding, building a new tribe after, you know, I, I built the right one. Um, and so it's been super, super hard. But I think that just, even if it's just a FaceTime or a text or whatever, every single day, just having, just hearing someone else's voice helps you and makes you feel like you're not as alone as you may have if you weren't doing so. You just brought up a good point because when I first got to Hawaii, I was like, woe is me. And even to this day, two years later, the first time I get on a call, everybody's like, oh, you're so lucky. You're in paradise. And I'm like, I have four letters for you and they're not nice. Like paradise is what <laughs> you see on TV, but this is real life. Like the schools are different. My kids experience, you know, discrimination and all kinds of things. So, you know, our perceptions of things aren't necessarily what we think they are, but you made a good point. I know for, I'm an empath and I get ex extremely exhausted, you know, mm -hmm. after doing the panels and all that, I need like three days of blacklist. You know, I, I, I literally have to sit in the recliner. Mm -hmm. And so I want to say to, to listeners, cause you just said this, even when we don't feel like it, we need to connect and FaceTime is right there. I know when I'm working on content that I hate for my phone to ring because I have severe ADHD. And if I hear a ding, I'm like a dog. Like you got a bone, you got a biscuit, I'm, I'm off topic and it's gonna take me a week to get back. But the reality of it is, is when my friends call me from Florida, it makes my day. When somebody asks me, how am I? It makes my day. 
I'm starting to get off of the whole needing people to respond to Facebook. Like I could care less about Facebook, like pick up the phone and call me, pick up the phone and text me because the inbox on Facebook is less personal than it used to be. And it doesn't have the same effect as it used to. Am I, anybody else feel me on that? Okay. I thought it was just me. See, y'all just validated me. Thank you. I'm good for today, but no, seriously, that's, that's something that we really need to talk about. And so I'm going to ask you, Sammy, this question, and then I'm going to go to Farah. What are the first steps to building a local village? Because we're going to teach people how to build multiple villages. You need an online village, you need a, a, a local village, and you need your, your personal village. What, did, what, would, what steps would you tell someone to build a local one? Because as you just said, you uprooted right when you had it. But I'm going to tell you the secret behind that. Isn't it funny how God can make us grow when we don't want to? It's like, it's like, I just got comfortable. Why am I moving now? Because you got comfortable. And if you stay there, you're going to be complacent and then you're going to disintegrate and it's just going to go. So what would you tell somebody to, you know, who's in a new location, who's starting over somewhere else? What tips would you give them to building a local village? So when I was in New York, and that's where I've lived all my life, I, when I finally found my tribe, you know, my spring semester, my senior year of high school, of course, that's like perfect timing. Um, I thought I had it all. I thought my life was so perfect. I thought it was just beautiful. I, was, I knew I was going to go to California for college and everything was going to be great and dandy. And I was just riding on this high. And then I got to college about six months later and I sunk so low it was i didn't know how to function i didn't know that you know coming here i would miss people so much i didn't know that i had to sort of you know use pretty much all of my energy just to communicate with others just to meet others but i think the biggest pieces for me were joining different clubs were hanging out in sort of the common areas of you know my dorm building or even just the common areas of the could like the you know the community around me really pretty much it was like you know i went to the coffee shops and i you know i sat closer to people when we could sit close to people um you know and i sort of i just as much as of an introvert as i am i knew that it was so important for me to develop a community here and that is why i did those things i pushed myself to do those things because i knew the importance of it and luckily, my best friend right now, she, I met her through a mutual friend and we sort of just hit it off because it just happened that way. Um, but a bunch of the other people who I know and who, I've, who are in my tribe right now are people who I've met through, you know, different programs, different organizations, different events, just different things. Like I went to three conferences last October and I have so many good friends from those conferences, you know. And I have people who go to school with with me and I know them from an organization that I'm part of and that I run a few programs in. And so it's really just getting out there and pushing yourself to do the things that you don't want to do. Bam! You said pushing yourself to do the things that you don't want to do. I didn't want to get married and join the military wives club. <laughs> but that's why I did it. Because my my broken self was like, red flags, red flags, stay where you are. And I was like, no, this is why I need to go because we have to do something different when we don't. It's called what? Insanity. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to ask Farah the same question. How do you build a local village? Yeah, well, you were asking about the steps 
of creating that village. But before we do that, I believe that this little village that we've created now, that we should be supportive here as well. And I am going to offer something to the group, and that's to consider the use of tribe. Myself, I'm a bloodline breaker of two tribes, but sometimes in support networks, we talk about that as a tribe. So I just like to offer to the group to think about what kind of wording you're using and if the word tribe is appropriate or not. Now, in terms of steps that we would take in order to build that local network for ourselves, I think, first of all, it goes back to what Candace was talking about, about those definitions. So what is it that we actually need in terms of support network? Is it psychosocial support, financial support, economic, mental? There's so many different kinds of support that we need. And if we cannot define that, that could be actually the cause of mental illness and the cause of our isolation. For example, if we've got tons of financial support, but we actually don't have a psychosocial support network, we might be feeling isolated, even though we might have more than what somebody else has, or we might have what somebody else needs. And uh, that is calling, causing an imbalance. The other thing is, is to think about what is it that causes transformation for you? What causes change? What helps you feel uh, content or at peace? Because the other thing is, is that we may think that we need that psychosocial support, but it's actually eating cheesecake that makes us happy and causes transformation. And that's the kind of support we need. I'm not advocating for that right now during COVID time. I know I've eaten enough of my, <laughs> my share of cheesecake, but I'm just giving it as an example to think about what we think we need and what actually causes change and transformation. No, I agree. I ate cheesecake last night and I like save, savored it for days and I just took a bite a day. It, you know, it's, it's different things. And especially, you know, I was talking yesterday about, about coping skills and replacing, you know, negative coping skills with positive coping skills. And if that's a piece of cheesecake for you, then go, you know, have at it. But you said something really extremely important. You said, what kind of support do we need? And I think that's something that a lot of us have never dug deep to think about. You know, when I created this panel, I was just thinking about support, because I think a lot of people feel like when they're asking for support, they're, they're not, they feel weak. You know, they think it makes them weak to ask for help. And it's not like support is, it's a natural need. You know, it's something that everybody needs because nobody's meant to, to live life alone. And so I think that it's extremely important for us to encourage people to, to ask for, you know, seek support in, in the, the various areas, like you said, based on what they need to, you know, that fulfillment to grow. All right. So Janice, I'm going to ask you the same question. Um, what are the first steps to build a local village? I think volunteering. Um, as Sarah already said, we don't necessarily have even requirements. And there is something within all of us that has needs. And there's something within all of us that has something to give. I am a lone parent. I have never had a partner in the duration that I've had my child. So I gave birth as a lone parent, I remain a lone parent. And there were several years that were very difficult for me. I felt like I have needs, I was burning out my friends and family, I, I just felt like there was no end to kind of, I just, I needed to find something that felt supportive. And I actually found it through volunteering. So I found myself, um, looking into agencies for support for my son and I and stumbled upon a mentorship opportunity that I was six years into lone parenting and discovered a group um, 
that I could actually serve as a mentor. And that became very, very rewarding. Most of the women that I worked with, again, I use the word community to separate from friends. I have Facebook connections with these ladies to this day. I'm on friendly terms with them. But we're not going out for cocktails. We're not sharing secrets over the phone. But I served as a mentor. Most of them, all of them actually, um, were young moms. So many of them gave birth as teenagers. And I was six years into this path. And I was able to share things that I had learned along the way, including those dark days. And it put a lot of perspective on what are my needs? What do I have to give? And at the same time, concurrently, I was actually drawing receiving support from agencies um, for our family. And that felt weird at first because we kind of define culturally either you're needy or you're in a position to give or you're codependent. And none of that is true. So I would say, and I actually did end up in that scenario in the first place because I left my social network and moved to a new city and a new country. So I wish that I had done that six years before I did it because I have things to give. I have knowledge to share. And it put me in the place of where I could actually look at it through a new lens of power as opposed to, oh, I'm, you know, I, I have needs and I just can't find, you know, you're not scrounging around for nickels on the ground. You're coming at it from a place of I'm offering and at the same time, I'm going to actually speak about things that I need. I agree because, you know, I was a social service worker for my whole career and it was, it was a conflict for me because I had needs, you know, my kids had needs and, you know, they had special needs. And so the, the perception is either you are needy or you're a giver, but not concurrently. And right now, you know, we're in, we're indulged in so many services, especially when my daughter got sick. And I, I speak out loud about what's going on because at the end of the day, who cares what people think? Your first job as a parent, as a person, as a woman, is to do what you need to do to provide for your family. And, you know, a lot of times, you know, societally, provision is normally financial, but that's not it. You know, we are the ones that have to be there to support them, their emotional stability, our emotional stability. We have to do the work to do what we need to make sure that we have the foundation to do what makes the world go round. That's the way I say it, because at the end of the day, we have not just taken care of ourselves, but we have to take care of them. So I want to go to Candice, because we are talking about the steps. And, you know, Sammy said something so true. She said organizations. She said um, common areas. And I think a lot of us entrepreneurs, especially those of us that work from home, we don't tend to do that. We tend to like sit behind the computer and say, yo, I'm, you know, by myself. I'm not around anyone else. But what additional steps do you have for, for people to take to build a local network? And then we're going to, we're also going to integrate a virtual network as well. You want me to talk about both? Yep. Go for it. Cause we're going ahead and introduce both. Not a problem. Uh, for me, the best way to build a village is to get to know the village. Uh, sometimes that doesn't necessarily always mean the organizations or the, you know, the networking events. Sometimes that could just be going to the local grocery store and saying hi to the bagger. You know, that could be the, you know, look, I love coffee. I want coffee right now, right? So, <laughs> you know, that could be talking to the barista as they service you in a drive-thru. You could. You know, like with uh, Houston. Oh, okay, well, did you did you see that 
you know, the Astros, they were just out of, they couldn't even win the World Series. What are we going to do with them? You know, just start up a conversation. Sometimes the best way to build a village is just to get to know the village. And for me, how, um, just for, you know, transparency, I am an introvert, very hardcore introvert. People say, how are you, how are you an introvert and you have a radio show? Hey, it happened, right? But I'm a, I'm a hardcore introvert. I love to sit in my room and play opera and play chess against myself on real boards because I collect them, right? The only way to, to build a village is to get to know the village. That could be your neighbors. That could be your church community. And you don't have to talk business. You don't have to think about, oh, well, hey, who do you know? And who can you connect me with? Forget that. Just talk as people because at the end of the day, we're human, right? So for me, when you talk about building a, a effective virtual village, you have to identify why you want the village. Are you looking at it from a business standpoint? Are you looking at it from a social standpoint? Or are you looking at it from a, I want to seek knowledge, right? So for me, I'm a knowledge seeker. So when everything happened here in Houston and they shut down the city, first thing I did was look up other chess players on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. I just put an ad out there like, hey, who, who wants to get whooped in chess tonight? I'll be on at eight o'clock. And you know, I use technology, right? On Mondays, I teach a group of older ladies, 55 and older, how to use Zoom so they can play bingo. And sometimes I am their bingo card, okay? And they'll tell me over the phone, move this one, no, play, okay, you gotta push the dot. And I'm like, okay, I'm, you're supposed to be logged in, not me, but okay, I got two laptops and two tablets and two phones and we'll make it work. But the way to build virtually is to know why you want that village. But make sure that you realize that some things will intersect in your spaces. You will intersect. So for me, the best way to do it is to just get out there and just put yourself out there. And it doesn't have to be a sales call. <laughs> it doesn't have to be a sales call as an entrepreneur. Just get to know people because you never know who knows who. You never know. You never know. And I, I think that that's the reality that a lot of people need to hear when, when we start businesses. I started as a 31 consultant first, and I had a really hard time because I've always thought I was an extrovert, but the older I'm getting, I'm realizing I think I'm really introverted because I could agree with everything you just said. Um, and I was a musician in college. Uh, that was a music performance. And one thing that I've learned five years later is that they tell you, you know, give everybody a business card, go everywhere, talk to everybody, do this, do that. And it's like promoting the business, right? And the reality of it is you need to promote yourself because when you know what you like to do and you know who you are and you know the commonalities that you're looking for, then you can better find what you're looking for. And I think that that's the challenge that many people have. When I first got married, I, I only identified myself as a single mom. I never talked about Anika. I only talked about my kids. And anytime somebody said, who are you? Oh, I'm a mom of three. You know, um, I'm a struggling mom. Or I'm, It was always something negative, too. Like, thank God I'm over that. But when we're able to identify what we want to spend our time doing, what we enjoy to do, what's pleasurable to us, what goals we have, then I think we can better find what we're looking for. So I'm going to ask Justine to tap in onto this because she, she said something. You guys are pulling out some great points. And you also said put yourself out there. So I'm going to go to Justine. 
Yes. So building building a virtual virtual village. That's right. Um, so yeah, you have to put yourself out there. You have to. I mean, I feel like before there was COVID, I have been building a virtual village the whole time because like I said living in Alaska and um when I was the first time mom I just was like I don't have anybody who I can talk to who is my age which at the time was 22 years old who has children and I didn't know any of my my friends around my neighborhood yet and so I just developed um a little group where I just um put out on Facebook young mom different tips or something like that and um people like it brought in at first was mentors because it was like um my my friend's moms would join just for support or um all the different things and then it's which was awesome because they gave really cool tips and then i started um as i started meeting more people more people started coming in and then um you know so on and so forth it just kept getting bigger um, and then I noticed once I was kind of out of that phase, I let it fizzle and it just kind of went away. When I got, the kids got older, when they were five, um, I found that that, been, that was a really pivotal moment and in a stay-at-home mom's life because now all of a sudden they're kind of going to school and doing other things. And I'm like, like you were saying, Anika, like, yeah, <laughs> what do I do? Like, I remember sitting there, I got all dressed up to just sit on the couch and watch TV and eat whatever it is that I made. And it was uh, still warm when I was sitting on the couch. I'm like, this is weird. I think I need a job. I can't sit here all day by myself. <laughs> and so, you know, trying to find that job was really, really hard because I had only known sitting at home with my kids. And I mean, we weren't ever sitting, we were like park junkies. We just go find whatever park we could find. And um, uh, I remember getting my first job after that was a, a leasing consultant. And they were like, you are a wannabe businesswoman and we're gonna transform you. I felt like I was in one of those transformative movies that they just made me into a businesswoman. <laughs> um, but that was so much fun. And so, during that time, I started another group of like a fitness group. Show me the foods that you like to eat and, you know, put in recipes because now I'm a busy working mom and I need to put stuff in a crock pot, which FYI, don't put um, cream base anything in a crock pot and let it sit for a long period of time. That's supposed to come after. I did not know that. It smelled really good, but it, we had to throw it all away. <laughs> um, so... We had that. Uh, and then, um, you know, I've always kind of been interested in being a yoga, being a yogi and uh, took a yoga class in college before kids and before my husband and everything. Um, but I never knew that that could be part of my story. I didn't know, like, how I'm not going to pay $4,000 for this school when I can do something else that the military will help provide for us or it's very hard in the military, especially when you grew up in it, um, adulting, to reach out and s invest money into another business when you have TRICARE and you have MyCAA and you have all these resources that are absolutely amazing, but they're so limited of what else you want to do. <laughs>
So, um, so I took a, I took a chance and I decided that this is what I want to do. And I had to sit down and talk to my husband and be like, listen, I have supported you this whole time. I love doing it. I am very involved with his life because I know that, um, I, sometimes the wife is the mistress and the army is the wife. So if you're not playing along, then you're going to get left behind and not know what's going on. So I like to, I like to be in the know. And, um, and so he and I really, um, have always been good with open communication and he was like, absolutely, let's do this for you. So, so, uh, yeah, I made the investment and, and here I am. I'm proud of you because do you know how many people never have that, that conversation? And I'm at the point where I'm, I'm like, yeah, I need a business coach. I need, I need to have the conversation. You know, it's, it's so interesting how I've had to have these conversations in my head. And I really want to ask the whole panel because I know time is of the essence, but you know, I just want you to know that you have helped somebody today have that exact conversation because we, my husband and I have a real estate business and that's his other dream. And he invested in that when we first got married. And I was like, okay, but if I was to invest in my business three years ago, it would be somewhere different than where it is today than me having to learn it on my own. And I think it, you know, it takes us a long time to build our confidence. We have professional confidence and we have parenting confidence, but we don't have self-confidence and they're different. And I really want everyone to know that they're worth it and that they need to invest in themselves because we're sitting and waiting for the optimal time and there's no optimal time. But I must say, I'm with you on the whole bus situation because two years ago, my baby got on a school bus and I had no kids in the house. And I was like, I could just do my podcast like without the door closed. And I mean, I literally quit a job on Amazon because my son was banging on the door and I, I just like thought I was going to get fired. So it, it kind of attributes to anxiety. But I want to close out because I know everybody's got a life. And although it's only like 11 o'clock here, y'all are <laughs> on the other side of the world. The question that I'm going to open up to the floor is what has a village done for you? I would start with the fact that um, my village, you know, the, the many that I have uh, built um, has taught me that I need, I needed to start with myself and a lot of the, of the women here have um, really showcased the importance of that. You know, if you don't know who you are, if you don't know what you're seeking, if you don't know what it is you are trying, you know, to build as far as a community, you're going to one, you know, you know be morphed into somebody else that you may not like. And then two, it all, you know, whenever you're particularly in a virtual village, you know, people are going to hold you accountable and they're going to see when you're not genuine and when you, you don't even know who you are, you know? And I think as an entrepreneur, if you're going to sell somebody on anything, sell somebody on yourself. You are your biggest advocate. You are your biggest cheerleader. And if you can't even, if you don't even believe that when you wake up every morning, how are you supposed to get anybody else to support that? You know? And that was, that's the biggest thing that I've learned and I've continued to really try to surround myself with other um, women that understand that and want to um, you know, essentially help other women and men um, get a sense of that because that is a very different mindset and you essentially don't even realize that you're not you know, essentially being genuine or you're missing something um, when you're giving to other people and not pouring back into who you are. Yeah, I think for me, I think the biggest, biggest, biggest piece, I mentioned it earlier, but the life that I have today would not be possible without the people who had guided me here. I 
did not know my worth. I did not know who I was. I didn't know what I was capable was. I thought that my anxiety and my depression would lead my life for the rest of my life. And to this day, you know, I am leading my anxiety and depression. It is not leading me. I think that is the biggest thing that I've learned. That is the biggest thing that my community has really guided me and helped me do. You ladies are giving some nuggets. That's all I have to say. I wrote notes. I don't know about you ladies, but I wrote notes. I will say this. What you... The stories that you guys all told in just your walks of life and your wisdom, it it shows that you can overcome anything that you go through, anything moving wise or, you know, anything that you go through, socioeconomic, educational, whatever. It doesn't matter. You can get through anything. One thing I have to say is, you know, my name is Candace Joseph, and I'm okay with telling someone I have PTSD, ADHD, ADD. I was in a car wreck four years ago. I was in a wheelchair for a year. I now walk with a cane. I'm an introvert that loves opera and chess. And I have a business with nine employees that are all here in the other room staring at me. Hi. And I have a radio show. And I do it all for free. And I have fun. So be you, be light, be love, be peace, love yourself, spread it, give it away. 100% every time. That's all I have to say. That's great, Candice. I also wanted to offer an ad that I think that we have to make sure that we know the support that we already have. Sometimes we have support right in front of us and we don't honor and respect and recognize it. And then also when we get that support, just like a comment that Sammy was making earlier, that we have to acknowledge it. So to honor those people who gave us the support and give them props, because the more we give and take and the more we put up the other people out there, the better it is for us later on because it's the way that we feel. And again, it's like what Andrea was saying as well, that we are being our authentic self because we are, we're giving back. So something else that I just wanted to quickly add to, uh, just to summarize some of the things that we were talking about, and uh, this comes from Dance Movement Therapy, is about paying attention. And then after that, making a decision, being precise, so I skipped one, sorry. Attention, intention, decision, precision, action, and then reaction. So we pay attention to our surroundings. What kind of support do we need? We define it. We make an intention. What do we want? We be, then make a decision. What are we going to do about it? Be precise. Mechanical was talking about that before, about who is our niche that's out there. And then we create an action and we pay attention once again See where that support is that we need over again. So attention, intention, decision, precision, action. Farah, I could listen to you all day long. I swear you are just, oh, you have the, it's even your voice and your, your, I don't know, your energy is just soothing. Um, and, but it means business <laughs> and, I, and I get that too. I want to go to Janice. Janice, do you have any last nuggets to share? Yeah, I think that what I have learned for myself is that community is a web and it really transcends friends and it really transcends family and we have to participate in it. As a human being on this planet, we have to participate in it. That means giving, that means taking, and that means sometimes they can happen at the same time, but we just have to have that mentality of knowing that community transcends 
the people that we were given on this planet as family. And it also transcends our direct friendship network. And if we can see it that way, we're going to be an active, valuable member of humanity. You know, I hope listeners and viewers that you guys have heard, taken notes and understood everything that that everyone has said. And I think that Janice just gave us our title for today, even though it is, the panel has a topic. I think the title is Community is a Web. She just said it best. And I was watching Charlotte's Web the other day and I was fascinated by how she was rolling up her food and all that kind of stuff. But when you think about it, you know, the web can catch a lot of things that otherwise are out of reach. And what Farah just said is that you have to recognize the support that you already have. And I'm guilty because now I got to go tell a couple people thank you. And I want to thank you guys for being here because you guys answered the call. You know, these topics are so important to me, but you guys can see that we all look different. We talk different. We have different backgrounds and we're from different parts of the world. But when you come together for the greater good of whatever message you're trying to transcend, you are a force together. I love to collaborate. I love to educate and I love to empower everyone to be better. I hope you guys have learned something today from this power panel about the importance of building a village. You are not designed to live life alone and I promise we're better together. I want to thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Your Voice, Your Power with Anika and guests. And as you guys know, like I always say, stay powerful.